It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this Wednesday edition of the Sports Mix here on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10 and the W or on the TV 10 Facebook page. I'm Nick Verzellini alongside me, Dylan Bishop and Colin McLaughlin today. Good show for you today. We're going to talk high school baseball sectionals. Big win for the Hedgesville Eagles. Two great games last night. Hedgesville gets the win 3-2 to two over Spring Mills, and Washington beats Hampshire 2-1. to one. We'll also preview tonight's Musselman-Martinsburg game as well as Washington-Jefferson. Uh, we'll talk about the NFL schedule. That's kind of releasing throughout the day. Some London games, some international games have been announced. We'll look more at the Bob Huggins situation as a punishment is starting to come forward in terms of what he will receive. We'll get into the NBA playoffs. Those continue to excite. And we'll conclude the show talking about Major League Baseball. But how are you guys doing today? Doing all right. This segment brought to you by Brown Funeral Homes and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. And I was trying to remember the last time Dylan's been here in studio. It's been a while. It has been a show. while. You know, I think it was probably the week before uh, you guys went to Myrtle Beach when I was in here getting ready to prepare mm-hmm. myself to be in for that whole week. You know, in the morning show, producing with Rob and producing all the games. So it was probably about the last time, about a month the last time Dylan was in here, he, I believe he said that he liked the Washington Commanders' chances, but then still had them finishing last in the division this year. So. I think you're right. Well, I said what their record would be. It'd be about 8-9. <laughs> and nine, But, hey, it's a good 8-9 and nine team right there. A good 8-9 and nine team. All right. Well, looking forward to Commander season, but that's quite some time away. Uh, last night we had some really good games and two matchups that Look, on paper and what we thought heading in, we thought that Washington was probably going to you know, win big over Hampshire, and we thought that Hedgesville was definitely going to win big over Spring Mills after beating them 21 nothing last time out. But Spring Mills battled. They had a lead. They really, for the most part, besides some errors, outplayed Hedgesville at times in this game uh, and, and could have won it. But the Eagles found a way in that bottom of the fifth inning to rally. Gage Gano gets a single. Uh, Noah Brown gets a single and then uh, or an RBI single and then Jackson Ress comes through with an RBI double to put Hedgesville up three to two and secure the win over the Cardinals Lane DeLauder dominant on the mound 10 strikeouts once he settled in it did I think give Hedgesville that momentum that okay he's going to keep this team at two runs all we need is three to get a win but Bromwell on the other side was fantastic as well and Spring Mills proved that they're not going to go down without a fight, which I think is a good thing to see. Uh, but overall, Hedgesville still the better team in finding a way to win down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, Spring Mills played its base, best baseball that it could to compete with Hedgesville. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough for a win. As you said, Bromwell went out there at eight strikeouts. I mean, that's still a great performance for him and one of his best this year, if not the best this year. They out-hit Hedgesville six to five yeah they had three errors to Hedgesville's one but two out of those three weren't really that costly of errors because nobody came home to score on those I mean out of the three runs two of them were earned only one unearned depending on which uh 
which game changer you look at. So Spring Mills had a fantastic game and you were sitting there knowing that they were never really out of it. It just seemed like during that fifth inning when things kind of started to slip away from them, they just unfortunately lost their confidence, even though it was still a one-run game. And the more confidence DeLauder had, the more you liked Hedgesville's chances. And that's why he went out at a 10-strikeout game, going the complete game. And we got to see a great baseball game. And I'm happy on how both sides played. Right, yeah, Bromwell did so well out there it gave spring mills the chance that they needed to get a playoff win this year and you know they still obviously have a chance a double elimination but that's what you want that's that can what can happen in these sectional and regional playoffs is you know you get your best pitcher out there and you know anything can happen and he held up his end of the bargain for a good bit of the game it was just that lane delauder was just a little bit better and it was you know it was no shame in eight strikeouts and three runs but 10 strikeouts and two runs, you know, playing that whole game, pitching the complete game. It was just just the, the quite the edge that Hedgesville needed to get that win. Yeah, I mean, Brownwell, he pitched well enough to win the game. Um, yep. I think the, this performance by Spring Mills is what's so great about sports and uh, baseball as well. The fact that on paper and the fact that the season hasn't gone Spring Mills' way and, you know, you look at this game and you think, well, this won't be close, but then that's why they play the game. And that's why, uh, you know, even though Hedgesville still found a way to win and the, the end result was what we expected, the overall result wasn't. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to Spring Mills. And I said this last night during the game, I think a lot of teams, if they had, you know, a four win season had just lost to a team 21 to nothing, maybe they don't go out there and give, you know, an A plus effort, but they did. And I think, you know, that's a great way to go out even in a loss and be competitive. And hopefully if they or when they get their other opportunity, they can, you know, continue to show that even if they don't win and, uh, you know, can head into next year and get some momentum because there is some talent on this team. I think they've shown that at times this year, just haven't been able to put it together consistently. It'll be tough, though. I mean, whoever loses tonight, obviously – Musselman and Martinsburg, they do have a win over Musselman, so you can't really count them out. But, um, you know, both those teams have been really good, just like Hedgesville was. But, I mean, you held Hedgesville. Held Hedgesville was kind of hard for me to say. To just three runs um, is, a you know, a solid performance. So, you know, I think that those are a lot of good things on both sides. Hedgesville obviously was frustrated, I think, with some of their at-bats, not so much that the game was closer, but I think they were frustrated with how they approached at the plate. But overall, they found a way to win, and that's what matters the most here in the postseason. Yeah, I think both sides realize what they need to do for Spring Mills. They just still can't give up, even though the next game you won't have Bromwell as your starting pitcher, so somebody else has to step up now for the Cardinals to lead them potentially to a huge upset if they want to continue their season. And then for Hedgesville after the game, I said, and you heard it from uh, Coach Grove in the post-game interview, it was a very passionate talk between the coaches and the players after that game to make sure that they know if you play the way that you did today on Thursday, whoever comes out of today's game between Martinsburg and Musselman will destroy you. It it was a wake-up call for them after that game, even though they got the win and... Hedgesville, I think, 
after that talk understands that. So we'll see, though, if they truly understand it and come out as the team we've seen them be throughout the entire season on Thursday. Well, we know they had some talks during the game as well. Lane mentioned that in his interview, and uh, Rick Kozlowski wrote an article about their kind of meetings during the game. So I think as the game went on, Hedgesville as a team realized, hey, this is not the team that we are capable of being. And that's not to take anything away from Spring Mills, but I think it was more so not so that, like Coach uh, Grove said, not so much that they weren't getting runs or, or weren't hitting the ball. It was their lack of a good approach at the plate, lack of aggressiveness at the plate, and that's not the team he's seen in the past. So I think what Hedgesville was frustrated with, not that this was a close game or that they couldn't really hit, because some nights you're just not going to hit the ball. I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes. And Bromwell clearly had some good stuff last night. Uh, But overall, that just wasn't the team that we've seen all year. Uh, And we'll see how they respond here in the next round. Uh, Moving on. To the other section, Washington gets a 2-1 win over Hampshire. Again, I think it's playoff baseball. I think the intensity is up. You're getting the two teams, usually their ace. They they used four different pitchers last night for Washington, so a little bit of an interesting strategy there. I don't know if that means that Colin Reed is going to be good because, I mean, if you're using four guys already in game one now, nobody threw over 42 pitches, so that helps on the Washington side, but to mix in that many guys is, is an interesting way to go about it, but it worked out for him. And they got the two to one win. Andy Clem had that big hit to put him on the board early. And then they get the sacrifice and the bottom of the fourth rally. Hampshire comes back in the sixth, but ultimately Washington gets the win there two to one. Yeah. It's another low scoring pitchers duel. And even though we haven't really seen Hampshire much this year, I guess when you look at it, it, shouldn't truly surprise you because we mentioned before the game even though we thought Washington should get the win and probably should have done so in a wider margin in our minds before the game started we realized offensively they've been struggling as of late they were on a three-game losing streak going into this game and even though Hampshire has not had the best regular season Everything resets in the postseason, and you know that their ace is going to be out there in that game to get the upset, and he's going to try to give his all to get that upset. And I think that's exactly what Wolford did in the start to keep it a scoreless game all the way through three and a half innings. And then finally, with the bases loaded and one out, I believe it was, was when Clem was able to get that single. You had the sack fly for out number two, and then out number three also occurred on that because they for some reason trying to score two runners on the sack fly at least according to game changer and not really sure how it all went down but you got two runs there in that situation and it was enough great for the Patriots but you're still probably not happy with how that one ended and now you get to go up against Jefferson and two runs isn't enough against the Cougars no it definitely won't be that Jefferson's been a powerhouse all year long just as you usually are and I think, you know, Washington probably did their best to, against Hampshire, do what they could with their pitching staff to make sure that they have as many arms available for Jefferson. You know, just don't use up one guy to the point where you have to give him a whole lot of rest and, you know, throw him out there for some pitches if you need him. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Colin Reed is actually able to go out there and pitch 
against Jefferson because that's you know it's been a big issue for Washington all year long that that's been you know part of their str- struggles is that they haven't had their their top guy out there to pitch yeah. only to hit. I mean the offense has been flat too. Nine runs in the final five games of the regular season right. for Washington. So they really haven't had the offense recently. Um, Hampshire though, I mean we see we saw Walford against uh, Martinsburg and he did great. So you know he's a quality pitcher. Um, I don't think it's necessarily all on Washington's offense. The fact that they only put up two runs in that game. Hampshire behind him has a few other good pitchers. So, I mean, Hampshire's pitching has been solid. They just don't really have that much offense. They have three guys that have been pretty good all year for them. So, you never know. They could potentially advance in this if it does go the way we think it would go, which would be Jefferson were to win and then Washington would have to You never know if Colin Reed is out there uh, and it's a close, low-scoring game. Anything could happen. But as a team, Jefferson just has so much pitching. I mean, as a team, they have a 1.74 ERA. So, uh, you know, that staff is great, and it's tough to score against them, and it's been tough for Washington to manufacture runs. And at times, Jefferson struggled recently, but they're still finding ways to win games. So, overall, I would expect probably another low-scoring game in the next round tonight between Washington and Jefferson. And I think overall the the numbers tell us that Jefferson will have enough offense to find a way to win tonight. But, you know, you never know what can happen. And I think if Reed's going, that might be the boost that Washington needs to get a win. But I, I realistically, it's hard for me to imagine with his first real action because he did throw, I think, an inning or two in a game a few weeks ago. But his first real action coming back, if he were to pitch tonight, going up against Jefferson, that that's going to be, you know, the Colin Reed that we saw last season. I just have a hard time believing that that's going to be the guy we see, even if he's even able to go at all. Yeah, it, it's really that's a big tough ask. to think that he's going to be 100% for tonight's game. I mean, we haven't seen him start since March 27th, and that was only for the inning, and he got unfortunately injured in that game against Martinsburg still got the win he was out for a bit now ultimately has really only been DHing I I think you're correct that we got to see him go out there for a few innings but nothing too deep into a game and that's what you need from him if you want to knock off Jefferson and because we haven't seen it we don't know if he can or not obviously Washington if they go out with him probably expects him to but from there will it even be enough if he can go only four innings if he can go five innings does he have to go a complete game for you to say that Washington can get this win and even if he does go a complete game and still loses does that mean that they potentially have no chance because he probably couldn't pitch in the two days later against Jefferson if they were to meet again Right, and he did throw an inning against Hampshire. No hits, two runs, one walk, four strikeouts. So I guess they had a drop third strike in there. Uh, but you know, that was against Hampshire on April 21st, and that's been his only action since that injury against Martinsburg. So it's a lot to ask for Colin to go out there and you know go a complete game, but who knows, maybe he's been ramping up enough in the bullpen and 
you know, pitching's interesting. I mean, we thought Joe Paulson wasn't going to come back last year, and he came back and pitched really well for Martinsburg down the stretch. So you never know what can happen here. And uh, even without Colin, I think Washington does have some good players around him and uh, can potentially make things competitive against Jefferson, but it's just hard to imagine Jefferson losing uh, two games to either Hampshire or Washington based on the regular season. But, I mean, it's a brand-new season when you get into the postseason as well. Anything you like to add, Dylan, or are you good? Not for this uh, game. You guys covered it well. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get into uh, the Musselman-Martinsburg game because we haven't – we touched on it a little bit, a lot, actually, but we haven't really broke it down, and we're, we're hoping that they actually get to play tonight, which, I mean, realistically, they should be able to after the rain and the field conditions, and we believe maybe potentially – I don't know. We don't know for certain, but we think that, you know, all the effort that they had to put into – getting the field ready um, for senior night last week probably made it tough to get the field ready last night to play, even though everybody else was able to play. Yeah, that's just a uh, speculation on our end, or a theory is probably a better terminology to use, but still get to play today and still expect the same thing that we said yesterday. It's a 50-50 game. You like Martinsburg's chances a little bit more if – Lupus is able to go and receiving word that he's still a game time decision. They got an extra day, right, for him to rest and truly examine it a little bit more in depth on how he will be. I I maybe wouldn't be surprised if we only see him kind of in a Colin Reed situation where he goes out there, but he's only DH. So we'll wait and see. I mean, you expect because of this, it's probably going to be Boober out there. No I think Carson's going to start anyway. And from there, we'll see how things shake up. I mean, if the offense is there for Musselman and they truly can attack you, no matter who it is on the other side, you like their chances. They are top to bottom, arguably the best lineup in the Eastern Panhandle. But... On the same side of things, the way things have been as of late, Martinsburg's been playing as the better team. Yeah, and going back to the last game these two teams played, I mean, Musselman had its offense. They scored five runs. That's pretty solid. Usually you can get a win with that pitching staff scoring five runs, but Martinsburg answered with the same amount of aggressiveness, and they attacked Musselman's Jason Myers. They got Myers out of the game pretty early. We don't know who's going to go tonight for Musselman. The extra day could allow Dylan Stevens to pitch. I think they're probably going Baden-Hartman. That's just kind of my guess. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I mean, Hartman's been arguably their best pitcher this season. So you throw him against the solid Martinsburg team that, you know, on paper they don't have the big names that we talk about all the time necessarily throughout the entire lineup, one through nine. But everybody knows their role, and they do their role really well. And I think that's what's allowed Martinsburg to stay competitive this year, stay toward the top of the EPAC and the top of the region, is their guys understand the role and they contribute, and they find ways to get on base and score runs, and uh, their pitching's good enough to hold off the other team. Not having Mike, though, if he's not able to go and you don't have his bat in the lineup tonight, Plus, we already talked about, you know, what are they going to do defensively without Lupus in the lineup? Because we don't really know 
have too many other guys besides Boober and Oviedo that can play short. Uh, and if they're going to obviously have Boober pitching, they need somebody to play third because Lupus is most likely out. So is that Jameer Brown plays third? You know, who plays third in that situation? And probably Owen Rupenfall takes first base. So defensively, they certainly have some things to figure out. But not having Lupus is bad. I mean, his home run is what really elevated Martinsburg to that win yep. against Musselman the other the other day. So, you know, not having him offensively, not having him as a leader would be huge. We don't know his status. Hopefully he's able to play. I mean, it's a senior year. You want to see the seniors out there uh, getting to play in their final sectional and regional tournaments if they're able to make it that far. Yeah, you guys covered it pretty well. I think a lot of the stuff that's going to decipher what happens in this game is going to be that game time decision kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. And is, is Martinsburg just, are they getting hot at the right time? Will they be able to uh, knock off Musselman on the road? We'll see. We see that phenomenon in the playoffs. Some teams just turn it on when the time is right. And sometimes that's all that matters. Musselman kind of has the feel of one of those kind of teams that they just can turn it on and turn it off. Do they turn it on here for the postseason? I think that's a good, interesting point there, Dylan. But that does it for this segment. On the other side of this break, uh, we'll talk about the NFL schedule. We'll talk about Bob Huggins as well. And this is the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Yep, this segment brought to you by Parsons Ford of Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. We're back in two minutes. We welcome you back to this Wednesday, May 10th edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Tom McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop, happy to have you with us here on the show today. Uh, We just wrapped up talking about high school baseball as the sectionals are heating up in both sections here in the uh, Eastern Panhandle. We're now going to talk about the NFL. The schedule release is set for tonight, the full schedule to be released tonight. But some games have already been announced, including the international games and the Black Friday game between the Jets and the Dolphins has been announced. Um, By the way, I'm not sure if it's tonight. I think it's actually tomorrow that the full schedule. Oh, yes, you're right. Tomorrow's Thursday, and that is when it is being announced. I just kind of got thrown yeah, off. Yeah, no, guess, with it, all these it is announcements thrown off this since morning. they're now deciding to announce the Black Friday games tonight, as well as the international games tonight or t- already today. So, and your guys's team gets an international game. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, Ravens the, Titans. The uh, the Titans. That's I mean, it's a fun matchup. The kind of little mini rivalry that's developed between those two teams. Uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, I think it's just interesting overall how the NFL is continuing to spread its way into London. I think there's starting to become rumblings I saw this morning of the idea of creating a four-team division where all the teams in that division are in Europe, which I, I is like a kind of a wild idea, which I don't I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL were to end up doing that. Or, you know, kind of an expansion on the idea of moving a team to London. I said in a decade I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jacksonville that's in London. I don't think there's any chance that they have a European division. I just saw that idea floated around, but I do think there's the NFL is going to work. 
continue right yeah it, it would be a very interesting idea in terms of like the practicality this of that like do you make a team like spend an entire month in the u.s playing four straight road games and then come back for like a month of yeah. home games like what do you do there so that'd be, that'd be a really fascinating thing just like the logistics what do you do it. for the playoffs it wouldn't be fair you have to go all the way to london right. for a playoff game yeah but the uh, but money talks. Nick, you don't want so a conference championship at nine thirty in the morning on the NFL no, Network. I do not. <laughs> if the NFL make, thinks that they can make money off of it, they'll do it. So I mean, right now they're making money off. Why of don't it. they just bring back the NFL Europe League or whatever they had? Right. Yeah. That no, didn't work out very well. Did no, it, it didn't. Not so I didn't make money. This is making money. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not buying into that. I'm not really a fan of the international games. I eh, don't no. typically watch them. And the last time the Ravens played in London, they lost forty-four to seven to the Jaguars. So, well, London Blake Bortles was a whole different animal. <laughs> that wasn't just regular Blake Bortles. You put him on that, you know, GMT time, and he was just a different quarterback. Well, London Joe Flacco was not it. Well, uh, most of most of other Joe Flacco wasn't either. But yeah, except for that playoff one playoff, show. yeah, the play, that, well, those playoffs, that one playoff in particular. <laughs> I mean, he was he was better than I think people give him credit. His first six years in the league, he took the Ravens to the playoffs. They were successful in the playoffs i i mean i give flacco some credit but um you know i mean he's not an mvp but he won more playoff games than lamar has so. i was never a flacco guy well, i don't know why i mean he was a winner there's a lot of guys that win in this league nick yeah trent Dilfer doesn't lamar jackson doesn't <laughs> give him well time. he wins in the regular season but not when it matters give him i've time, given him nick. five years he hasn't won anything for us. Hey, it finally got rid of Greg Roman, all right? I'm just yeah. going to make He always has an excuse. Why you guys argue about... He always has an excuse. No yeah. excuses this year. No Roman. He's got plenty of wide receivers right. to throw to. He'll probably get hurt and will miss the playoffs or lose in the wild he said card. he's going to throw for 6,000 yards. Yeah, okay. That's impossible. Yeah. Listen, I don't currently... Yeah, there's no excuses for Lamar until the one that comes up in the season that I find that I can make for him. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, speaking of 6,000, there's six games in Europe this year. Yeah. Four in Great Britain, two in Germany again after mm. the craziness in Germany where, if you guys remember, everybody saying country roads. You saw the fans, even though the game was over, stay in the stadium for like an hour and a half afterwards. <laughs> Just like, what are we supposed to do now? I think that's, that's what they do in soccer. So That's how you know that these games aren't for us. Like they, they're 1st. all TV. They're all yeah. TV. We get to watch them. They're not for us. They're for the, the people that go and pay the tickets. In the, so the first games, the Falcons and the Jags in week four at Wembley Yippee. Stadium. Can't wait for week that five, the Jags play the Bills at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Okay, that's an interesting game. Week six, you got the Ravens and the Titans at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then week nine is when the Germany games start. The Dolphins and the Chiefs at Frankfurt Stadium. Okay. And then you get a divisional game, week 10, between the Colts and the Patriots. That's not a divisional, divisional game. game. That's a conference I a, game. I thought it Why did I think it was? I think the Colts were in the Patriots division like 25 years ago. The old AFC Dang. Central, perhaps. Yeah. The AFC wow. Central is the Ravens division. When you said divisional game, I was hope I was like, don't say AFC South. Don't say AFC South. And then you said the Colts, and I was disappointed. But, but hey, sure. Yeah. No uh, rivalry. Bring yeah. back Manning and Brady. Yeah, just I, uh, for one-offs, yeah. I don't understand why the NFL loves the bad football product. Because typically these games aren't very... 
and they love Thursday night games, and they love the London slash Germany games. And I don't get why I mean, they the, want to put a bad product. These last three matchups sound intriguing to me. It's they're just, good matchups, but will they be good games? Because the players don't like. I mean, you can say that for any. Well, this is the thing is, Nick. Yes, people are going to watch them. Well, yeah, I know that, but it leads to a bad product on the field most of the time. Well, guess what? They play on grass over there, not turf. That's not what I meant. Well, here's so the thing: how many people? Less you know, injuries. You get less. I am anti-turf. You get some bad games on like a Sunday at one o'clock. Not as many people are going to watch it. But you put two game. You put a game between two teams. No one cares about on a Thursday night. You're going to get a whole lot more people to be like, "Well, I wouldn't have watched it otherwise." But I mean, it's it's football. Yeah, I understand. What and else am I going to watch on Thursday with night? With the gambling and fantasy football, I mean, people are going to watch football even if it's at nine thirty in the morning between the Jaguars and. The, Atlanta Falcons, Falcons. Mm-hmm. right? But that's what they're doing. Yeah. I just think that the games in an eighteen-week season, a seventeen-game season, where every game matters more. I I don't love having bad football and having a game be affected potentially by its location of play. Right? Yeah. Or I don't the like day it of the week it's played. Yeah, it's not it's not the ideal product to put out there, but money yeah i mean i understand i just i don't like it i'm yeah. allowed to not like things yes you are nick you're valid you know a lot of people don't really like bob huggins right now and they certainly have good reason to do that as well colin and i talked a lot about it yesterday uh if you're not familiar with the situation coach huggins went on a cincinnati radio show and used a anti-gay slur on the rare on the air when describing Xavier, um, and now we know most of his punishment for this. It will be a one million one million dollar pay reduction. I believe that will probably go to some sort of uh, charity, yeah, charity Something. or or support for uh, the gay community, and then a uh, suspension of some sort and sensitivity training. So, Dylan, I first want to get your thoughts on the situation and uh, I guess your reaction to this. You guys are the WVU fans, so uh, it certainly affects the program that you root for the most. There's no excuse for what he did, for what he said. And it it was wild to me for him to not only do it, to to say it at all is one thing. To say it publicly is another thing. To say it publicly on FCC airwaves, on just on a radio talk show appearance is just wild like what what were you thinking it was i don't know if that's just like the comfort level he kind of had with that with that word i I don't know but you know he obviously should have been punished in some way you know there was the argument about whether he should keep his job at all if it were me without knowing like having an internal conversation with him like the athletic director the president of school might have to know like what his true response to it was I don't know if I would have kept him around. You know, it depends on, you know, how, you know, you've seen the outrage from it. You've learned this was something you shouldn't have done. Maybe you already knew it was something you should have done, perhaps. What is your response from here? What are you What are you going to do to learn? What are you going to do to grow? That kind of conversation would be a big part of whether he would, he would stick around or not. Uh, but this was a decision they went with. I mean, it's good that they're uh, going to, what is it? Donate, donating to? They haven't said that, but it says he's getting a million dollar pay reduction. So I'm 
guessing they'll do something with that. Typically, the sensitivity that training and a fine, and this is probably a little suspension, right? Right. Uh, it's probably about as much as you can do without firing him. Yeah. So if that's was off the table for him, then that's about all they can do. Um, it was just a tough situation. Uh, again, no excuse for that. My argument yesterday was this was if this was somebody other than Bob Huggins, let's say the coach was a 500 coach, not a oh, Hall yeah. of Famer, they're out. Absolutely. Any sort of discussion, but Bob Huggins being the legend that he is and uh, being such an icon in the state of West Virginia, it's probably not worth the firing because while this is definitely something somebody shouldn't say, unfortunately life isn't fair and some people can get away with more things than others. Yeah, you, you put that very well. Yeah, it, you're 100% right in that. And I was looking into this a little bit more, and it does seem like a slap on the wrist, but when it comes to NCAA, apparently this is actually the uh, biggest fine or reduction or whatever you want to call it in NCAA, at least maybe percentage-wise. I'm not sure. be a billion-dollar reduction, so a salary goes from 4.2 to 3.2. So there's that if you want to look at it that way. I wouldn't have been surprised if they fired him, but ultimately I thought this is how it was going to be. I don't know how long the suspension will be for once we learn more about how long that will be. Our opinion might change if we think it's low or if we think it's correct. And then I wish I could be a fly on the wall for this sensitivity training for Bob Huggins because we've just seen the way he is with his players his former players the media he doesn't really seem like a guy that is a sensitive guy i feel like and yeah it also i don't know how true this is but i know that people have been speculating that maybe he was drunk on the air and didn't really realize uh the true situation that he was in and if that's the case that's it, it seems excuse. like there might need to be more sensitivity training towards potential alcohol right, issues. That's just worse. That just and, makes and that it makes worse it a lot worse when you look at it that way. If that's true, obviously that's just pure speculation on my part, but it has been circulating throughout social media through multiple people. It, it remains to There's no way to see really prove future. that. I mean, it might just yes, be people. this is done. But after this year, do we see him just leave? Do we see us splitting away after this year? They're like, all right, we can't let your Hall of Fame career end like this. We'll suspend you, but this is it. I wouldn't be, after I wouldn't this be surprised. Year. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, that could definitely be a possibility. Uh, I know WVU fans wanted Joe Mazzullo to come back and take over some of them, but that's not happening. He's not leaving the Celtics for WVU. Well, I mean, once we get to the next segment, if he uh, loses to the Sixers, maybe he is. I, I, I doubt do it. We, do we want? Do we? Well, next, we'll get to the next segment. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it then. Would you want Joe Mazzullo as the coach? We'll talk about that next segment. Joe. It's interesting. All right, this segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Cabinets and design, bedding, outdoor, living, family-owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Orsini's.com. Back for more of the sports mix after this two-minute break on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. 
welcome you back to this Wednesday edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show today. Talking NBA playoffs in this segment. Um, Colin Celtics fall to the 76ers. The Nuggets beat the Suns. And uh, things are certainly heating up. We got some good games tonight as well. Um, a lot of big series, a lot of uh, fun in this uh, playoffs. And uh, it's definitely been an enjoyable postseason. Um, some drama and all sorts of stuff. But the Celtics fall to the 76ers. Um, and now things are, again, you know, this Boston team continues to, I guess, underperform in this postseason compared to the fact that when the Bucks went down, they looked like the clear-cut favorite in the East, but they just haven't really played like that all postseason long. Uh, still in the series, but Philly takes the commanding lead. How are you feeling, Colin? I can't say the word. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday definitely shocked me. I mean... When we previewed the game, I said I don't like how this is basically a guaranteed at least six-game series now because the more games in this series, the more healthy Embiid becomes. And it looked like yesterday he was 100% going out there, a 33-point game, leading them in that score column. Maxi with a 30-point game, Harden with a 17-point game. I mean, Jason Tatum did what he does, a 36-point game for him, but starters it was just a horrible shooting day i mean shooting under 40 percent almost 30 percent from beyond the arc al horford a rare 0 for 7 game period all of them three pointers you don't see that from him you don't see that from the celtics and this one definitely hurts and now philly can end it in philly it makes you worry about the celtics and panic mode is here but at the same time, historically, Boston, when they're down 3-2, have won six of the seven times. So you can't count out Boston just yet until it's truly over. No, you can't, but it's not looking good for them. I mean, we can get into Joe Missoula, man. We go Even going back to Game 4 with not calling those mm-hmm. timeouts at the end of regulation. And then over time, going into this game, they're not changing the way that they defend James Harden. They're letting James Harden get to his left on these pick-and-rolls with Embiid, and it's allowing just an open lane for either Harden to drive in or kick it to Embiid in the mid-range or even all the way to the bucket. And when they put Robert Williams in the game, they kind of have, this is kind of the one series that neutralizes Robert Williams because Al Horford is better at defending him at defending Embiid. So it kind of takes away the biggest strength of the Celtics that kind of let them reach that top level that they did last year when it came to, you put Robert Williams out there healthy and this team kicks into an elite defensive mode. And that just hasn't been the case against the Sixers. They let Tyrese Maxey get 30 points last night, Embiid 33, James Harden 17 with 10 assists and 8 rebounds. You know, the other two wins for Philly in this series have been on elite offensive games from James Harden, you know, over 30 points, 40 points. But he didn't have to do that last night. They got more contribution from Tobias Harris, who was a non-factor in Game 4. And it's, I don't have faith that... Boston can come back from this. Ime Yudoka was a really good coach. He got kicked off. He got fired for a good reason, a legitimate yeah. reason. But 
I just I don't think Joe Missoula has not shown the ability to make the adjustments need, that he needs to. But on the other hand, I have little to no faith in Doc Rivers and James Harden to close out playoff series either. So That's very true. Yeah. What's going to give? Yeah, and I mean, going back to Al Horford for a second, first of all, just something to note. Al Horford's only 36. I swore that man was 55. <laughs> Al Horford would be one of if you just dropped Al Horford's current game into like 1983, people would be like, "Who is this better version of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar?" <laughs> it's just kind of how basketball has evolved, but it's, it's very funny to me. But yeah, tough. Oh boy, oh for seven from three. Mm-hmm. You don't not yeah. Al Horford is usually pretty reliable in the in the playoffs. Al Horford is good. He is. Yeah, he's an old man. He's been around for a while. Again, you know, 67 only, years old. You know, <laughs> he's only a year older than Kevin Durant. Uh-huh. That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. You look at Al Horford, he looks like he's 65. But um, Got to go quick here. Yeah. I don't really have too much on this game, but Maxi going from 30 is, is pretty big for the Sixers, too, because Harden, while he still had his impact on the game, if he can be a distributor and a rebounder and not necessarily have to focus on scoring, that's really where he's excelled in Philly in this postseason now he's been cooking i talked about it the other day his, his family's been starving because harden hasn't cooked in a while but he's dropped some 40 point games and you know last night he was able to contribute as a, a distributor so a uh, good win for the sixers i'm intrigued to see what happens if boston loses because i think we might get a coaching change we might get some personnel changes as well because this group has been together now for what three four five years and they still can't really get over the hump but they're still also very young so it's hard to evaluate this team i'm excited for game seven uh but dylan makes a great point that can the sixers close things out the nuggets beat the suns 118 102 and what's been a back and forth series home team has won every single game um and we'll see if that continues i guess but i think it will that's my th- thoughts on it since we're getting short on time the suns need kevin durant and devin booker to be superheroes to beat the nuggets all in this really series have. and they weren't last night they had a pedestrian 28 points and 26 points from booker and durant and they didn't get much of anything from anyone else they got 14 from ayton and no one else scored double digits and the, it's not necessarily bad performances but when you got rid of all of your depth to get kd yep. and chris paul is not really a contributor offensively when it comes to scoring you need like and you know he's bound to get hurt so yeah and what she is now and then denver finally got a good performance from michael porter jr and 25 off the bench from bruce brown yeah bruce brown of all people it's gonna be hard to beat the nuggets if you get 25 from bruce brown it's gonna be yeah yeah all right quickly do either series end tonight between heat knicks or lakers golden state i think the heat end the series against the knicks i think the warriors come back make it three two I, I'm going to agree with Nick, yeah. All right. I, I don't think either ends tonight. I think the Knicks win and Golden State wins. I think that's fair. The Knicks got tr- truly terrible shooting performances from everybody in that last game, so maybe in MSG they can get a, they can get one back. All right. This segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. Back for our final two minutes of the sports mix after this on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10.
welcome you back to this final segment of the Sports Mix. Only have about two minutes, so we're just going to kind of wrap up the show. Um, Nationals have a game at 345 today, uh, but our game tonight, 7 p.m., 640 pregame between Musselman and Martinsburg. Looking forward to that one, guys. Yeah, I am too, but quickly, this last segment brought to you by the Mirror Scoop of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy, as I forgot the mute button, but John Everson and Phil McCoy are located at 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg. Call them at 304-263-4343. Thank you, Nick. Adley Rutschman. Yeah, you. he, he showed up yesterday, night. yeah. O's got the win against Tampa, so. That's my final thought for today. Both the O's and the Nats in the rubber match going for the series wins. Yeah, we'll see how those play out. I mean, you'd love to see both teams get the wins. They both could use them. So. Again, tonight it is the Musselman Appleman hosting the Martinsburg Bulldogs in Region 2 Section 1 play. Pre-game show begins at 6.40 on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10 as well as our WRNR TV YouTube page. First pitch at 7 p.m. for Nick Verzellini as well as Dylan Bishop. I'm Colin McLaughlin. This has been the Sports Mix here on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10. Have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys tonight. Yeah.